0: In missions, we've been talking a little bit about that around here and what it means for us to take seriously this mandate on our lives to reach the world. And today we're talking some about that. What is it that that is deposited in someone's heart, like this team we saw a while ago, that says, I'm going to Guatemala? I'm going to Quiche. Quiche is a little village up in the mountains in Guatemala where, honestly, this medical unit going in right here will be the only medical attention many of these people who walk a day or more to get there that they'll ever have in their whole life. We make eyeglasses for them. It's a hard work, but it's, it's amazing what happens when people say yes and how we can impact the world. That's why as a church we go. That's why we pray. That's why we give. That's why we exist is that I love that new worship song we sang today. It's not just about singing. Help us to do more than sing. Help us to go. And so we're very excited about what we're doing and what's happening. And I have some great news today because we have with us, because of our banquet, we brought Mark back out. Mark and Kristen Orphan are our new missions pastors. They will officially begin their duties here about December 1. And so they're in the middle of moving house and all their family. He told me, he said, I just want to say one thing to you for sure. He said, we haven't moved in a while and you're stuck with me because I am never doing this again. Welcome Mark Orphan, Pastor Mark, come on up here. I want you to meet him. He's a great brother in the Lord and just a super guy. Um, We are so happy to have you here and uh, you've already impacted us, your love, compassion. I've asked him to take... Today is is kind of missions weekend, so we're talking about the world, we're praying for people, we're doing things up, so just relax and enjoy it. But I've asked him to take a few minutes and talk about him and his family and kind of their journey and their mission in life, and I want you to get to know him. and we just appreciate you being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Good. A few minutes, I thought I was preaching. No? (laughs) Well, not this time. Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, we're thrilled to be here. And, and, and I, can, I know I can speak for my wife and four kids who are very anxious to get here uh, at the end of this month and to get settled in. We felt so welcomed by those of you that we've met, and the staff team, and, and we're just thrilled. And it's, it's thrilling to come to be part of a team that is so uh, clearly committed to God's work in this community and around the world. And so uh, we can't wait to get here. I have a my wife, Kristen, we have four kids, um, 6, 10, 11, and 12. And oh, I didn't know we had a picture up there. Did we yeah. do that before? Yeah. They're all much better looking for me than me, for, than me. so it's good to, good to have that up there. Um, we have been in Southern California. I have for the last 25 years. And my wife and I, for the last 20 years, have been in full-time ministry there in, in different capacities. We were part of a couple of different church planning teams. Uh, my wife is a musician. She's a country music artist. And for some of you, in spite of that, I think you'll really like her. Um, uh, but more importantly, she's a, she has been a uh, worship pastor and a creative arts pastor. It was as a youth pastor for many years that God really began to kind of take a hold of my heart as it pertains to missions and reaching people outside of The walls of our church and really outside of even of our community and around the world. I had an incredible privilege of working with a team of young adults and um, college interns who just shared this passion to to change the world with this youth group. These poor kids, we drug them all over the world. Uh, They gave up most of their Christmas holidays and Easter holidays and long weekends and everything to go do missions somewhere. And we had the privilege to to serve in different parts of Latin America and all over Mexico and uh, Indian reservations in South Dakota, inner city Brooklyn, New York, AIDS hospices in our own community and Skid Row in Los Angeles and all these different things. And it was life changing for me. It really, it began to define kind of the way that I saw God's work. Uh, a few years later, the church that I was at there asked me to take over their missions uh, program. It was a church with a long history of strong missions work in the sense that they had supported at that time over 140 missionaries around the world and generously supported them financially in their work. But, but in another way, they weren't connected. There weren't partnerships. They, they knew people because they saw video highlights and people came through town now and then and uh, but there wasn't a they weren't out in in the world necessarily in, in, in most cases. And so it was an incredible blessing uh, over the next few years to begin to walk alongside people in the congregation and to get out in the world and to go on missions trips and to be connected with things that were happening in our community. And to and perhaps the biggest challenge in that was uh, our the, the mission field that emerged in our own backyard. We lived in a city that in the decade of the 90s. Uh, became the central hub for immigration in Orange County in California, and it transformed that city. The west side of the city became a completely different place, and uh, city councils and school districts and churches and pastors christian leaders didn 't necessarily know how to respond and so we had the incredible opportunity of leading a coalition of Christian leaders and pastors to really team together and to make a significant life changing impact on the West side to raise up new ministries, Spanish-speaking churches and Hispanic ministries that exist today and and are strong and are serving families on the west side of Costa Mesa. Perhaps the most life-changing mission experience for me is is the journey that God began in our home six and a half years ago. Uh, Friday afternoon, because of a ministry that I supported in Skid Row in Los Angeles, which is blocks and blocks and blocks of homeless families and kids, Uh, brought uh, one of my volunteer teams brought this tiny little malnourished baby to my door and said uh, we she's going to social services if we can't intervene somehow and can, can you fix this <laughs> so I and I said well we'll figure something out this weekend and so Kalia has been a part of our home ever since in the last six and a half years and we've seeing a miracle take place in Kalia's life as God has put her life back together and redeemed this child. As as often happens, as some of you know, uh, three years later we got a phone call. Kalia had a half-sister who was older than her who uh, was being turned over to social services in Chicago by a a distant family member that didn't want her anymore. And uh, so they called us and said, would you take Sadie as well? And so we did. And we took her into our home, and and I have to say that that, that by far, on the shadow of a doubt, that's the the most difficult thing we've ever taken on as a family. Uh, But at the same time, the most rewarding and incredible thing, to watch the story of God's redemption take place in your home every day right in front of your face and to see God put lives back together and to restore them unto him. And so I share that with you to say that those are the things that have shaped us and who we are. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we've prayed together with this pastoral team and as a family for a long time. And and we know that God has led us here, and we're so excited to be here. God has also shaped us, uh, I think, uh, to be a part of the ongoing history of this church, to continue the great things that God has started here. And we're thrilled to be here to give support to that in these in these coming days thank you for having us
0: wonderful thank you pastor mark good stuff Amen. it's fun to see into his heart and uh when you meet kristen you will love her and these kids it's just a, a joy we feel like god's really answered our prayers and so keep them in your prayers over this next 30 days especially as they are moving house and going through all kinds of stuff We really appreciate your thoughtfulness in that. We have been in a series that I just want to kind of open up again. We've called it King of the Hill. And it's the Sermon on the Mount. And today I want to talk about prayer and how prayer impacts the world. Because when you think about making a difference in the world, it's a pretty overwhelming task. Prayer is one thing that we have in common that we can do that can change the world and touch the world. You can pray from wherever you are and you can pray for anybody in the world wherever they are. So it's a wonderful thing. Prayer is God's idea. And it's a wonderful concept in a spirit realm that we can touch God who can touch others, wherever they are. Have you ever thought of that? It's a powerful concept. And so today, we're going to just look at Matthew 6. The bulletin has four or five blanks there. I want you to just write some things down and journey with me. And uh, we have a couple other things I want to do later that involve some other people. But I just want to take a few moments and walk you through this. In your outline, the first thing I want you to write down, and then we'll read some scripture, is this. Write this down. Number one, we pray to keep God's name holy. One of the things that Jesus said, we're about to look at what we would call the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is the Matthew 6 version, which is different than the one we usually quote. It's not finished. But we're going to look at the pieces that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. We pray to keep God's name holy. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus is talking. Remember, He's been giving this example of how what not to do, because the Pharisees and people would pray out loud. They would pray long prayers, usually three or four hours a day publicly. So Jesus says, wait a minute, go to your closet, pray like this, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Many of you know that is hallowed be thy name. There is this idea that we are the keeper of God's name. Now we know we can't control other people and how they view God, but we are the keeper of His name. So if we take that seriously, what would you put down on a list of how you keep the name of God holy? The the first thing I jotted down was, well, first of all, don't use it in vain. Would you agree? The God's name is used in vain by people who don't even realize when they're saying it. And when you add the word damn on the back of God's name, which is a common phrase in our culture, and it's usually stated, think about this, it's usually stated in a moment of violence or anger or in frustration. I started thinking, how did that start? Who came up with that? Jesus talks about the evil one, meaning the enemy of our spiritual soul. I think He's planted that seed so that people will be damning the name of God as a swear word, not even realizing that it is cutting into the core of their own faith and their own life. And they live with this nonchalant idea. We are the keeper of His name. That doesn't mean you start slapping people when they say that. But it means that you and I in our minds, in our hearts, and in our language, honor the name of God. And we use it carefully. It also means that we live out the principles of His kingdom. I was thinking, how can I honor God's name? Well, I want to be a person of my word. If I say it, I want to do it. I want to be a, a, a talker and a doer. Uh, if the people of God would do what they say, we would be a keeper of God's name because we are doing these things in the name of the Lord, Right? So so it's imperative for us to say I want to live out these principles. What are his principles? Love, kindness, patience, all the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. You read that list and you go, those are the things that will keep his name holy if I am that. <laughs> I was I was about a youth pastor for 2 months when uh for 8 years told about my first 2 months, I learned quickly that uh not everyone Hiding behind a smiley face called Christian was nice. How many of you have ever met any Christians like that? And man, they can go to church, they can even pay their tithe, but you know what? Inside, they're just mean. They're just mean. And it's like a pitbull that you don't know when it's going to get you. And all of a sudden, wham, it gets you. And I don't want to be like that. I don't want you to be like that. I want us to honor the name of God. That we will be the people of God who will say, Lord, I will not mock your name by how I live, by what I do. By refusing to be hypocritical. By caring, by loving, on and on and on it goes. I remember as a kid when missionaries would come to our church. Okay, I grew up in church; half my life spent in church. My dad was the pastor. We had uh, missionaries that would come often. Some of you grew up in church will appreciate this. Anytime we had a missionary from, like, let's say Africa, you'd walk in, and I was—I mean, this tall, my eyes are this big because I'm looking for something specific laid out across the altar. What would it be? Anybody know? A snake skin. A big boa. And I mean it looked 100 feet long. laid across that altar and 10 feet around to me. As a kid I'd go up and I'd look at that snake skin. And I'd hear stories of how it could eat a whole goat. Or a human being. This snake would get you. Its teeth are inward. And it just keeps going and keeps going. Until it crushes you and your bones are gone. And as a kid I just used to think, wow the missionary would talk about the snakes and there would be machetes up there and and all this stuff and he would talk about going through the jungle and, and meeting someone who had war paint on their face and some tribe somewhere and how he would say in the name of Jesus and they would bow down and they would all come to him and they would all get saved And I don't know if any of those stories were true but I loved them But I remember saying to myself as a kid, I will never go to Africa. (laughs) I never have. I'm so happy to tell you, that isn't missions as we know it today. Missions is about you taking seriously the mandate of God on your life everywhere you go. Number two, we pray for the will of God on the earth. We pray for the will of God. What does it mean to say, Lord, your will be done? Jesus is teaching them to pray. So let's look at this verse and talk about it for a second. Verse 10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of controversy among theologians about what this means. Can the kingdom of God fully come to this earth? How will that happen? What will that look like? When will that be? Is it soon? Is it 2,000 more years? Who knows? All I know is Jesus said, "Pray this: May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." How about we just do that? How about we pray the kingdom of God to this earth? How about we trust Him for it? This is talking about a desire in us to live godly and to help others be godly, that the kingdom of God would be honored and glorified. What what are the issues involved here? What would it look like if the kingdom of God was lived out on this earth? injustice issues righteousness issues what would happen i just made a short list i just took a few minutes this week and i said what would it be like if everyone on the earth were kingdom of god people and i just man i just started kind of my brain started working like okay no alarm systems right no locks you wouldn't need a lock you wouldn't need a lock everyone you would no passwords praise god how many of you have a file that has a password that has all the passwords in the file? Just crazy. Because everyone's going to break in. There would be no passwords. There would be no courts. There would be no war. There would be no fear. There would be no violence. The kingdom of God, come. Lord, let your kingdom come. That's what we pray. We say, well, that's impossible. You live in an ideal world. I don't know. I'm just saying, this is what Jesus said to pray. Can we pray that? Can we be people who will believe and trust whatever that looks like, that we will not shrink back from this prayer? Number three, we pray for our daily needs. Our daily needs. When we think about our daily needs, sometimes it's overwhelming. Now I want to read to you what Jesus said in verse 11, and then I want to talk about it a second. It says this, Jesus again, He's saying, pray like this, Give us today the food we need. It's a good prayer, aren't you? How many of you are thankful for food? Okay, so Lord, we give you thanks for the food we need today. What Jesus is not doing, and I need to say this because some people misconstrue this verse to say, you know, you should never plan on having food tomorrow. You should only have your needs today. Well, They haven't read other teachings of Jesus where he talks about planning. Don't build a house unless you can see it through. The parable of the talents where good stewardship is honored. Planning ahead is honored. On and on and on. Here's the point. Jesus is trying to say, will you live grateful for your daily provisions? And will you give him thanks? And will you trust God more than yourself to meet that provision? How many of you have a refrigerator? Do you ever open the refrigerator just to see if you're hungry? I I, I do that all the time. It's like, hmm, nah. (laughs) Or, yeah. One of the big things for us is to say, next time you open your fridge, seriously, I want you to do something. I want you to just step back for a minute and I want you to go, thank you, Lord. We throw away more food because the expiration date says to than most people have. It's not for us to be... Lowered and feel awful and live in guilt about it. It's for us to say, Lord, show me how to steward your daily provision in my life and show me how to live with deep appreciation and how I can share that appreciation with others. Number four. Number four. We pray for forgiveness and the strength to forgive others. We pray for the forgiveness from God, but then there's a part two. We must be willing, and that takes strength, to forgive other people. This is maybe one of the biggest things I can say today for some of you in the room, because this is an ongoing battle emotionally for people. Let's look at verse 12. Jesus says, and forgive us our sins. Who who are we saying that to? God. He's the only one who can forgive us our sins. Through Jesus, we are forgiven. Then it says, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, this this vertical part, that's the easy part. This horizontal stuff, we don't need that. When you refuse to live in the spirit of forgiveness in your life, you are putting your spiritual life in jeopardy with God. It's that simple. And it's powerful when you think about it. Because forgiveness is a big, big issue. I, uh, have you ever... Have you ever just so despised someone because they wounded you so much that when they finally, if they ever did, they finally came to you and maybe they were broken, they were convicted, they knew they had blown it, maybe it's been years and they say, I'm sorry, I blew it, would you please forgive me? I'm really sorry. And that flesh person in you just sort of wants to say, Say it again, (laughs) say it louder let me see some tears get on your knees what is that that is this hurt that's the pain it's it's that they don't deserve forgiveness and they don't and neither do you neither do I but Jesus does and we must And that's a challenge because that forgiveness that issue listen forgiveness does not equal trust some people are confused about that. They say, if I forgive you, it means that it's like it never happened. No, be wiser than that. If, some, if I can forgive someone, but it doesn't mean I'm going to put them in a position of trust again, they might not be trustworthy, but I can still live with forgiveness. And it's about you and what happens in your spirit, man. We learn to forgive. I grew up with four sisters. Love them all. I have two older, two younger. And we're very close as a family. I have great sisters, but I, I'm right, right in the middle. And so I was always, always, always every day of my life having to say I'm sorry to one of my sisters. Right? So, so here's how, look, you know, you're driving in the car and they have violated their space on the seat in the car. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and you know, there would be some misunderstanding that normally was not my fault. And, and my dad, my dad who had great discernment would usually say, son, tell your sister you're sorry. I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry. And then my dad would say, no, say it like you mean it. Well, I didn't mean it. It's impossible. I didn't mean it. I wasn't about to be sorry. It was their fault. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I still didn't mean it. Here's the point. No one, no one can bring sorrow to your life. No one can cause you to feel sorry for your sin but the Spirit of God. And no one can give you the strength to forgive others but the Spirit of God. That's why we pray it. Forgive us our sin as we forgive. And it's the Spirit of God that soothes the heart. Forgiveness is found in the essence of godliness. One statement, and I'm going to move on. The true peace of God is discovered through our ability to be forgiven, to forgive ourselves. And to forgive others. One more time. I want you to please put this in your heart. The true peace of God. You want peace? It is discovered through our ability to be forgiven, to forgive ourselves, and to forgive others. If we can do that, then the kingdom of God is a little closer on the earth. The last thing. Number five. We pray for perseverance and deliverance. We pray for perseverance and deliverance. What is this that we pray for that says, Lord, help me to hang in there. Help me to move forward. Help me not to give up. I press on. This is what he says in verse 13. And it sort of ends the Lord's Prayer according to Matthew. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's the concept that says, I could, if I wanted to, yield, you know, when we say Don't let us yield to temptation. How many of you get the idea right there that you're going to be tempted? See, it's not saying you won't be tempted. I don't care how spiritual you are, how godly you are, you will be tempted. Get that. Get it now. Because if you can know that, then you can pay attention to the vulnerable places in your life. Where are you tempted? Why are you tempted? When are you tempted? Who are you tempted with? And once you identify that, you don't have to yield. The Spirit of God helps you overcome temptation. We are rescued from the evil one. When we live like that, the kingdom of God comes greater to the earth, and we are able to keep dreaming our dream. You have a dream. Keep praying for those kids. Keep praying for your family. Keep praying for those neighbors. Keep praying for those people. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep giving. Keep going. We are the people who care for people who don't care. We are his hands. I love that new worship song we sang today. We will do more than sing a song. We will be the people of God, the kingdom on this earth. I'm going to do something right now that I don't know that I remember ever doing it, but I felt like God prompted me just to say there are people sitting in Timberline weekend after weekend who I have prompted and I have planted a seed that they are to be goers in missions. They're scared, they don't have the money. They don't think it's possible. Some of you have a dream, and it might even be a place in the world. God is prompt. I don't know why. You just have a burden for China. You just have a burden for Uganda. You just have a burden for whatever. You don't know. Maybe you've never even been there. That's the Spirit of God. Others of you, it's more general. It's just, I would like to go on one of those trips, but, you know, I don't have my passport. And, I don't know. and you just don't ever get it done. And so today, Missions Weekend, we're going to call you out. We're going to let God bring you up here and we're going to pray for you. Would everyone stand, please? Go ahead, Pastor Terry. I'm going to ask no one to leave at this time if it's, unless it's an absolute emergency. This is a very sacred time and I want you to hold it dear to your heart. I, I want to invite our prayer team that's here today to come now and just stand on the sides for a second. Any pastors who could help us as well. Because I feel like I want to ask some of you to move from where you are. I know it's inconvenient, tough, and let people through. But how many of you are for releasing people that God's put something on their heart and they they need to act on it? Sometimes just that forward motion. It's not more holy up here than it is where you are. I get that. But there's something about the step of faith when you step out. And you begin to walk down this aisle to say, I know, you're talking to me. God's put something on me. I'm supposed to go on one of those trips in 2010. I'm supposed to make my life more available. I'm not supposed to get stuck in this routine. I know God's doing something in me. And I'm going to step out by faith today. I'm going to trust Him that there's more in my life than what I'm doing. And it's for could be for something far away and i want you to overcome the fear don't try to guess what it is just respond first step to say god i'm willing you open the doors and i'll take the steps you put in my heart to go from here come now please just step out just come right up here and just stand right across the front we're not going to embarrass you we're just going to pray over you send you back to your seat and conclude our time together but i want you to come come right on over here that's it keep coming let them out god bless you Come right on up. In the South Auditorium, would you come as well? Just step out right now and just come right on down. And the pastors and the prayer team are there. And they're going to just stand behind you in a second and pray. But please come. This is good. This is good. All this is is a moment when you're recognizing. You guys come right on over here, would you? Great. Amen. You see how God works is that He puts seeds in our lives that we don't know. We don't understand the future. But how many of you will join me in just praying for these, that God will make it clear through time? And uh, we know He can, and we know He will. So this doesn't have to be a big emotional moment, but it might be. But it's a moment when you're saying, God, there's a mantle on my life for something more than I have yet known. And I'm owning that. I'm acknowledging that. And so I'm watching. And I believe God's going to call you to it. He's going to provide for you to see it through to the end let's pray and i want the pastors and prayer team to just maybe gather behind if you can and we don't need to have one person with one but just kind of in a general sense and would you just reach this way in the south auditorium as well let's pray for these lord thank you for brothers and sisters for people who have a mantle in their life we know that we're all called we know that all of us have a mantle but today there's something significant that you're putting in people's hearts it's more than just that normal tug that says yes we're all missionaries these are people who, Lord, you have made some things clear to them. And you need to bring them more clarity because as they step out in faith, that puts them into the next level. So as hope grows, as faith grows, I pray, Lord, for whatever organization they hook up with, if it's through Timberline and Mission trips here, whatever it is, that it will be clear. That they will continue to take step two and step three. That you will provide financially for them. You'll provide the right job. You'll show them ways to save. You'll show them ways to invest. You'll show them ways to prepare themselves so that they're ready when you say go. God, thank you for this moment. Put it in their hearts and let this day change these people forever. We pray this so that your kingdom might come to this earth for the glory of God. And everyone said, amen. We love you guys. We're proud of you. Let's give them a hand. Would you just welcome them back? You can go sit down. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated if you don't mind. And uh, thank you. I uh, I appreciate the heart, the openness. Just one last thing before we take our offering. I'll, the forgiveness issue is a big one. And uh, I just want to pray, and I've been praying, that God would help us to know how to forgive and how to move forward with that. because. If you can't live with that forgiveness, and it's tough to make it, it's tough to obey God. It's a grind in your life. So I want to pray over some of you now, who that's an issue. Lord, I just thank you that I know in my own life that these issues can can come in and wipe me out. And and I just thank you for the freedom of forgiveness that we have that you've given us. With heads bowed, eyes closed, is there just I just you just feel like saying I I know God's talking to me about this. I just don't know if I have the strength, but I'm gonna. I'm going to yield to God right now, and He's got to enable me to think through this. I know there's an issue here, and, and I'm, I'm listening. Just hold your hand up, and let me just pray over you, okay? Lord, show us what forgiveness really is, and, and how we can let it go, and we can trust You. You are the God who judges. You are the God who brings the truth. So show us that this doesn't mean we rebuild all of our trust. It just means that we let it go for us and for our future. We trust you to do that in hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to take our offering and and conclude here in a second. Ushers, would you come? Before we actually receive it, though, I have another group of people I want to pray for today. We've prayed for people without jobs, people with jobs. We've given thanks last weekend. But uh, this week and next week, today I want to pray for those of you who are self-employed. Because that is an interesting situation and it's not better or worse it's just unique because you know sometimes you can work harder and be more successful sometimes you just land a deal and it just happens and boom god blesses you but you also suffer consequences of poor decisions you might make in leadership but being self-employed would you agree is a challenge it's a different cat so if you're self-employed would you raise your hand please just just hold it up and keep it up for just a moment please now everybody just look around because i want you to get a feel for what's going on in here and we're going to pray for you. you can put your hands down. We're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray that you will have creativity, that you will have boldness, that you will have wisdom, that you will be able to make decisions that are God-honoring and kingdom-promoting, and that God can bless you, and that you will be a good steward of that blessing. Is that fair? Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to pray. Thank you for this moment when we can freely give. But we specifically pray for those who are self-employed today. Lord, we know that's a challenge. Big decisions are made. And we ask you to show us how to make decisions that honor you. God, give creativity. Put a renewal for this company, this business, whatever it is, God, that you started in these wonderful people. I ask you today to renew a vision and a passion to make a difference in our world. I thank you for it. We love you. We give now out of love, out of honor, out of being kingdom people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Give unto the Lord. Sing this song from your heart. Our hearts, our minds before you. We submit, we surrender, we yield to you. And I thank you today for just moments in this meeting time that we've had to share as a family. The celebration of people on their way right now to Guatemala. The people in this room who you have prepared for future ministry in a big way. People who are self-employed, who need moments with you to figure things out. Lord, celebration of your word today from Matthew 6 and what you're teaching us to pray for the world. So continue to be with us as we go and let us be the people of God in reality on this earth. For your glory we do pray this. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thanks for coming to Timberline. Be careful getting out of here. Go by the table. And if you haven't bought a missions banquet ticket, uh, please buy one for tomorrow night. God bless. Thanks for being here.